0: Welcome to 2024, everybody. This is Texas Tim leading off the year with another edition of Holy Commutes. This is Tuesday, January 9th, 2024, um, the only daily podcast of all things Wiffle Ball. And I am excited to start off January with a bang, and that is bringing in Danny Lanigan, who is the captain, the founder of everything of the usual suspects who are the 2023 World Wiffleball Champions of United Wiffleball. Welcome, Danny.
1: Hey Tim, thanks for having me. Uh, happy new year to you and uh, everybody as well.
0: It, it's Danny, it's just been uh, really interesting to think about. Man, it's 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 almost been a it's been a few months now since the tournament has been over and we you and I have been chatting a little bit about coming together and talking about this and talking about your journey and talking about the team, uh, team's tournament during uh, United Wiffleball. Ball. But finally, we get together here as we start off Holy Commutes 2024. National champions, the third national championship with usual suspects, is that correct?
1: Correct. 2010, 2020, and then obviously 2023.
0: Tell me the members of this year's usual suspects roster.
1: Uh, myself, Ryan Wood, Scott Alford. Uh, the three of us have been playing together since 2006, pretty much full time since 2006 minus a couple of years. But the 2009 season was the first season of Usual Suspects. The 2007 season, uh, I'm sorry, 2008 season was the first year I played full time with Ryan and Scott. Joe Navanish, he was with us this year. He was with us since 2009. He was off for a while, um, rejoined us in, I believe, 2019. Right. Um, he's been with us since then. And this year, um, we did make a roster change. We added Sylvia Serrano from California to be our fifth. And he was you a know, great addition. It was a difficult choice in making a, a roster change. But it turned out um, to work pretty well for us.
0: Were you ever, Danny, considering not adding that player, that extra player? Well,
1: well we had five, and we had Johnny since 2000, Johnny Costa, um, 17, I believe. I, mm-hmm. he, no, 2018. 2018, the second year that Fast Plastic went, was back in Texas. That was the year um, where they had the tournament on the two different sides, the Diamond Sports Complex, mm-hmm. and Johnny was great. Johnny was really what we needed at the time. We definitely had no intentions of ever moving off of Johnny, and it was a very, very difficult decision to make a move. Um, one of the reasons that we had to is because my availability this year was limited. I, I had a wedding back home I had to attend, um, and we just wanted somebody that would fill more of a pitcher role. And we, you know, it was again, it was a very, very difficult decision. We made the decision ultimately filling. I'll be completely transparent. Sylvie was not the guy that we first envisioned. We did speak to some other individuals. We were second choices to a few different individuals, and it was kind of puzzling. But on the back of my mind, personally, I always thought Sylvie was a really perfect fit. You know, he probably, like myself, had a point in his career where people thought, like, hey, this guy doesn't have it anymore, throwing wise. I had heard and seen some really good things out of him recently. Uh, like a fountain of youth pitching wise, that kind of made the choice. And and again, there were some other guys, there were some veteran guys that everybody's like on paper, like, wow, that would be perfect for you. And it didn't work out for us. There were some young guys, some young studs who, uh, again, I'm not going to name names, but um, didn't seem interested. And uh, the back of my mind, I kept saying, well, we do have Sylvie I think Sylvie's a really good option. And, you know, when you join a team of veterans who have been playing together for a long time, it's not easy, especially in a, a one-off term, and It's not like we, we could add a guy, you know, a college kid or a high school kid and, um, you know, break him in over the course of a season. With Sylvie, I, I think one of the reasons why it works so well is because we've known him for so long and he gets us. He's you know, a lot like us in many ways. He's not the most popular guy. Uh, he's not, you know, out there. And he's just there for the same objectives as, as we are,
0: and that's to win. The week – of the tournament uh we conduct the draw right and highly anticipated by really everybody they they, you know pins and needles and i'd like to talk to you about your journey through the draw and because i'm not i don't i can't speak for how the teams and the team captains view the draw and i'd like for you to um tell me about the experience of 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 the draw what going in before anything gets drawn what are your fears if you have any right or your concerns like oh my gosh you know and then when you start to see it unfold who you got the first game and who's in your bracket take me through that
1: sure so you have to think of this in two ways. One is a team captain for me and the other is an individual and they kind of go hand in hand, but my job for a very long time has been um, to get the early wins. Um, and it hasn't been recent that your early wins are easy games, you know, in the mid 2000s, sometimes you'd go to Texas and you had four pool play games going in and you know that two teams were kind of, but, now you're pretty certain that you're going to have pretty competitive games early on. Um, and you know, a couple of years back, people had questioned like that. I was throwing the early games, you know, because they are very important to win. Um, and maybe the number four pitcher on other teams doesn't throw the early games. Um, but just the way our roster is configured for us to be successful, I have to pitch those games and I have to win those games. Um, so the draw is, is important. Um, but I'm confident and my team's confident that in just about every situation, I don't know that I would be the favorite to win the game as the pitcher, but I have the ability to win the game as the pitcher. Yeah. There's probably a couple teams that we may have changed the, the plan if we got them first, but um, you know, if there's 40 teams there, there's probably 37 or 38 that if we get them game one, I have the ball and we're confident that we're going to win the game. Um, we did have a, what other people would call a tough draw, and I would agree that it was a top draw, but I all thought it. W- I also thought it was a um, a draw that enabled us um, a, a road to be successful. Um, I was confident. Game one, we played TC 35. I lost them last year. Um, it was my third game pitching, but we lost two nothing. Um, so we knew that was going to be a challenge. They were the team that kind of shocked everybody last year by how well they did. Um, we were fortunate to win that game. One, nothing Ryan Ward hit a home run. I pitched, I think maybe a one hitter. Um, And then it wasn't going to get easier from there. Um, We also had some really difficult teams in in the pool, the Canes, the meats, the waves. Don't forget who else, but we basically knew that that was going to be our three games, you know, from that group. We played the waves in game two. Um, I did not pitch well in that game. Um, It was a, Not a great um, window between games, but I kind of got cold, got stiff. The weather was not great. I had a very difficult first inning. Um, I settled down. I think it was the third inning I got hurt. I hurt my neck on a free play, which didn't make me look like the greatest athlete. Um, But my teammates bailed me out. They scored a boatload of runs. Sylvie came in, shut the door down. Um, We were able to win that one, which is so huge. Those first two games are very, very important. Last year, our first two games, um, same thing. They set you up for success. 2020, same format, same road. You win those first two games, you're in really good shape. Um, so I won the first game. Sylvie won the second game. And then the third game was the meets. Um Really difficult opponent. We lost that game 1-0. But going 2-0 and having a relatively low runs against – I'm sorry, 2-1 and have, having a relatively low runs against, we were in pretty good shape going into the playoffs.
0: You were. And the other teams that were in that bracket, um, you know, the Wiffaholics were there and the Cajuns were there and uh, no slouches. And then the long balls who really didn't have a very good tournament, but a really good roster uh, was also in your bracket. And they only lost to the meets in their first round game one to nothing. And so um, you talk about those first two games had something happen against TC 35 had, you know, they connected on a home run or something like that could have changed the whole perspective. You guys would have been heading the back next, their other direction and playing the canes in the losers bracket of the second round, which would totally have changed your, 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 your probably your perspective on how you approach that tournament.
1: Well, yeah, your your perspective on how you approach the rest of the tournament. Yeah. Um, because ultimately, you know, when you have an older team and you don't have the, you know, I don't know what the right word is, but the most flexible, most rubber arms, um, the, the you don't know, have the young arms that can throw forever, you need to have a plan. You need to execute that plan. That's how you win. That's how we've been successful. That's how we won twice and been in the semifinals another time. Um, if you – you know you do have those hiccups it gets very it would have been very very difficult for us to have long-term success in the tournament
0: yep and you put it in perspective danny um four of the top 16 teams in the tournament came from your bracket and wow that's pretty incredible you know and so the sweet 16 four of those guys were there and uh three of you made the the final the the final, I think 11 ish or so teams. Um, so yeah, y'all, it, it really was a tough bracket. And when you looked at it on paper, even the teams that didn't come out, when you, you, you see, uh, I mean, you, you saw you guys playing TC 35, which was not by far an easy first round matchup. Um, you guys did great. Well, you come out of that one, you guys get into, um, get into the championship playoff bracket and you guys don't have to play that first round because you did what you set out to do was even though you did not get uh, one of the top seeds, you kept your run diff low and, and, and actually got one of the uh, one of the eight buys. Right. And that, that in itself is huge. Am I right? Again, that's the plan we need to win the tournament. We don't get that by,
1: and we have to throw, um, you know, one of our guys an extra game. um, It it would be very difficult um, for us to have long-term success in the tournament.
0: All right, so your your first game that you get to play is, you know, you have a rematch with TC35. They win their first round in the playoffs. They actually – Uh, You knocked them into the loser's bracket, right? Right off the bat. And and so did the Canes by, you know, ironically. So both those teams end up having to face each other in the loser's bracket side of of your bracket. But they both come out and show you, showing you the quality of teams that were in your bracket. They both make it out. And you actually have to play them your first round. Was there any advantage to your team that you saw that you had seen them earlier
1: i don't think so because we faced a completely different pitcher we were throwing a pitcher against them who's never faced them before you know i if anything i may have game one had a bit of knowledge pitching from pitching against them last year Mm -hmm. um that may have helped me a touch honestly it really doesn't but um you, all you really have to know is, like, who's the best hitter, and and then you just get a feel for how guys are swinging against your pitches. Um, but I don't think it gave us an advantage. I mean, the if any – yeah, I don't think that it was an advantage at all. And Ordinarily, I would say maybe it's the advantage in that, you know, they realized there's a team, but this is a team that we went one one against in the last two games, so I don't think that they were intimidated whatsoever. They had a kid that was throwing 102 miles an hour
0: against us. That. And that is fact. If anybody's listening, it didn't see this game that that is fact. and he uh, um but again, another another great win you got there. did did Ron Wood throw that game? No, no,
1: Joe did. Joe Avanish. Joe, um, last year we learned has the ability to throw back to back days. Mm-hmm. Um, we do not um, plan on using Ryan on back- to back days. I don't think he has the ability to do that anymore. Um, but we knew if, if Joe pitched one game uh, on Saturday night, he would probably be able to throw one on Sunday. Um, so Joe Evinish pitched that game.
0: You know, I want I want to take a step back and talk about a storyline that a lot of people don't know. And that storyline is this wedding. So <laughs> this tournament was on a big wedding day for you and tell me what you end up having to do um for you you left the tournament you left town uh walk me through that and and how it affected you i, I you, you know um your wife's probably not listening to this so but tell me tell me about the story of of being at the wedding and trying to figure out what was going on so
1: look you know there's only been Two events in my life over the last 20 years that are definitives um, on my calendar every year. One of them is my vacation with my family, and the other one is Wiffleball National Championship. There's not many things um, that I've missed. There's not many things that would come up that would stop me from being at Wiffleball Nationals and now Worlds, we'll call it. But, you know, when you are at a certain age and You get married in Mexico and you have great friends that you spend a lot of time with and they have a wedding, you have to be at their wedding. Um, They traveled to Mexico to be at my wedding, which was in in May. I had to be at their wedding. And fortunately, I was able to make it work. Again, at this stage of my career, my my job is pretty um, defined. Um, I pitch the first two to three games in the morning. There's matchups in which I would be in the lineup. I'm typically in the field and that's really the extent of it my teammates will tell you that i do a lot more than that um, but most they can succeed without me physically being there Um, so basically i had to be home by four o'clock the latest in the shower suited up at a wedding by five i pitched my two games i got hurt in the second game i thought i literally thought i broke my neck i rolled over I heard that sound, that sound that you hear when you have some pretty tough Velcro and you pull it apart. Um, When I rolled my neck, I really thought I was seriously injured. I drove home with the heat wrap around my neck, um, just kind of relieved that I was going to make the wedding and not being served divorce papers because I was in an ambulance on the way to the hospital. Um, I got home, showered up, suited up. I actually met my wife and some friends at a bar that um, people were gathering at before the wedding. Went to the wedding, was in communication with my teammates the entire time. By the time the um, TC35 playoff game started, um, it was like primetime dance time at the wedding. So I spent half of that time. And again, I I was not supposed to be really using my phone at the wedding. My wife was very much like, hey, you know, you had your phone this morning. You're here to enjoy the wedding. So there was a lot of bathroom trips. There was some... you know, dancing where you dance from behind and the, the ladies' eyes are looking forward. So you pull your phone out of your pocket. And you check the uh, the video. Um, but, I, you know, I made it work. I was very euphoric after we won that game. I made the wedding. I didn't break my neck. Um, slept for about three hours that that night and then drove back. And I was, I was one of the first people at the field at like 8 o'clock, 7.30 8 o'clock next morning.
0: That's awesome. All right. So you win that game. You're, you're pretty excited and you're now in what the final eight and you have another repeat date with the meats. Uh, Tell me about that game and, and, and the outcome of that rematch with the meats.
1: So obviously, you know, another crazy, crazy enough that we have another rematch, but Again, it's a completely different situation where we have two different pitchers going at each other and the stakes are completely different. You know, you play a team at 2-0 and, you know, two and 2-0s going against each other and basically both teams are there like, hey, let's just keep the runs down. We're both moving on in great shape. You face a team in the final eight, um, one team who's defending national champion, not defending, but a previous national champion, the Meats team who's had a lot of success in the NWLA, um, they've made it to the na- the national championship for UF before, um, they have a roster that's built to win this tournament. So obviously when you're playing the final eight, there's a lot on la- the line there. Um, we throw Ryan Wood, they throw, um, um, the lefty, oh geez, not Yonkman. Um, I'm looking at his face right now. What's the lefty's name? God, the guy from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, Sorry, I have, like, COVID brain. I had COVID recently. But he's the guy who really didn't give up any hits or any runs previously at UIF. Um, And we had a really good first inning against him. But, again, the conditions were difficult. The wind was blowing out. Um, Ryan Wood was a freak all tournament. And it's crazy we've been talking for so long that I haven't really spoken about his performance um, because that's a podcast in and of itself. But he was just a beast. Um, I think he got walked with. Two men on to load the bases intentionally in that game because that's just how ridiculous he was. But we had a big first inning. They came back. Uh, Cole was hitting the ball. One of their other guys was ripping the ball. And we held on to win, I think, 6-5 five or 5-4, five, something like
0: that. Which is crazy, that many runs in, in a game like that when when everything has been, you know, pretty low scoring. And, and a lot of these games were low scoring shutouts and stuff that that both you guys were hitting the ball. And I agree with you about Ryan Wood. It's probably one of his better hitting performances from him that I've ever seen. Right. So uh, he was, he was hitting the ball really well. You guys win that game. You now are in the final four. Uh, The final four consisted of with Inc playing the, the jugs and you guys in not a repeat game are playing the phenoms you know, that's where you want to be, right? You want to be there playing uh, one of the best teams in the world. You you definitely had that those types of teams in this final eight and these final four, you know, the best teams in the world. I mean, s- many of these teams, a lot of people would have predicted some of these teams to be there, you know, especially the jugs and the phenoms being in the final four. A lot of people would have would have would have picked that. And here you are playing the Phenoms. Take me through that game a little bit and any of the drama that might have unfolded there.
1: So, um, Tyler Flackney, I apologize. The guy's a beast. He's, you know, one of the best pitchers out there. Um, He was the guy for the meets that we faced. Uh, Phenoms, look, uh, you know, the Phenoms are the most talented, probably top to bottom roster in the tournament. And they have a guy in – Josh Pagano was the captain of the team who's kind of like, you know, if you had to say a rival of Ryan Wood, um, legacy-wise, he'd probably be the guy. And then he's just got young um, studs. They're really not even young anymore, but they're younger, really, really put together guys who are tested, who spend a lot of their lives now playing wiffle ball. Jordan Robles, nobody spends more time playing than him. Guys that we really respect, kind of young, uh, toast, obviously – and then Vin Lee is a beast as well. So we faced them. They had just gotten through playing Vegas for the second year in a row and lose, and winning um, a really tight one with them. Um, yeah. So at that point, we didn't know, you know, what, what Jordan had left. Um, I wasn't there the night before. So I, you know, again, I, I didn't know if Jordan had another game left, but we were, we were excited, you know, to be honest with you, because that's a team that, if you're going to win the tournament, you want to go through them because um They're a team that everybody expects to win the thing. And if you have the the trophy at the end, there's two teams that you want to say that you beat on the way there. They're one, and the team we beat in the finals is the other.
0: What was the score of that game? you remember? Four. I think it was 4-0.
1: Again, Ryan Wood, that was probably our best hitting game from top to bottom on the lineup. Joe had a big hit. Scott had a big hit. We kind of tacked on runs. Again, it was another game where the wind was blowing in as opposed to the, the meets game it was blown out. But Ryan again had a home run. I think he had a home run in every game but the the second Meets the first Meets game. And every every guy every guy in the lineup that game had uh big hits for us. And Ryan pitched, you know, emptied it out. He he was pretty tested against the Meats because throwing into the win wasn't easy. Like I said, Vinley, uh yeah not Vinley, um the, the couple of guys on the Meets really made it difficult on him. So he was pretty spent going into the the Phenoms game, but he emptied it out against the Phenoms and, and threw a beauty.
0: Well, you end up winning that semifinal game over the Phenoms in uh, one of the best teams in in the world, in the Phenoms, with some of the best players in the world. And I agree with you, a very incredibly talented roster. You move on and you play the two-time defending champion, right, The in the Juggernauts in that game. And, Danny, I think that before the tournament, if – you could have, if I could have told you that you were going to be in the championship game, and you get to pick anybody that you want to play. You would like, if you were going to earn the championship, if anybody you want to play, I think you might choose the Juggernauts. Let's go, and that's that's who you need to go through, and that's how uh, two time defending champion to, to win to win a championship. I believe that's the one you you want to go through, and you and you you end up playing them.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's no secret that they are the standard in terms of winning, you know, general wiffle ball over the last uh, probably five years or so. But I've always been about titles. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, I think that's probably some people say that's that's silly. But, you know, I'm, I'm a Michael Jordan guy, six NBA finals, right? Giants, you know, I've, I've seen two three Super Bowls in my life. We have four Super Bowls. Eagles have won. Like, I, I've always been measuring um, success based on that. And we have t- we had two going into this year. They had two. We knew, and not not just with them, but just we knew what this, this third one would mean to us historically. Um, we also knew that if we didn't win and they won, what it would mean for them historically. And to be honest, if they won and we didn't, then I think the book says the jugs, D four for winning their three. Mm-hmm. Plus, you have to kind of put an asterisk there because, and when when I you hear me say that, you may think that I'm maybe sliding it. I'm actually saying it's probably. You could say it's more than three because a lot of that core was with the, the razors when they won a couple as well. Again, those were different tournaments. It, it wasn't the same atmosphere. It wasn't the same amount of teams. But again, it was. They were pretty big tournaments. But when when you talk about winning three, there's only two in the history books who have done it and had the jugs had we lost and the jugs won they would be the third so we knew what we were playing against them they are the standard in the game right now we are not at the point of our lives where we are winning regional championships and you know saturday tournaments and sunday tournaments week to week those days are 20 years ago from for us really yeah i mean if you want to write a book about wiffle ball you don't write the book without talking about the success of wooden bats and Ryan and what he did. He probably paid his way through college, uh, wouldn't wiffle up tournaments in the two thousands. And, you know, even us as a group, we won plenty of regional uh, tournaments back in the fast plastic days. Um, but at this stage of our careers, we, uh, for a few different reasons, we save it all for this one. And this one is always meant the most, whether we played 15 tournaments a season, like we were 15, 20 years ago, or we're playing one to three, as we are now. This has been the one that we cared about the most. And it, it really meant a lot to, to win a third because it doesn't just mean, hey, they won a fluke one in 2010 and they got lucky in 2020 as the old guys coming back. No, 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 that's that's not the story. The story is that this is a franchise now that is is up there with only two other teams who have done it three times. And I think that, you know, by the time I'm not thinking about wiffle ball anymore, there will be more than three of us. Yeah. And I think that Vegas and, uh, you know, I like to bet favorites would say the jugs are probably the team that will probably do it a third time before anybody else does.
0: I agree. But,
1: um, but it's just nice to be in that company. It's nice to get there before they have. And I, again, I have no doubt that they probably will.
0: Take me through what I considered some of the drama in the championship game. I don't watch a lot of wiffle ball. Why I'm there? I was watching your game. I almost felt like I was, and the only term I can say is I was felt like I was glued to a a, a potential train wreck in watching Joe Evanish go through that game in the amount of pain and discomfort that he was was enduring. There was a time where I actually thought – I actually thought you were nuts, Danny, that you did not pull him out of the game. There was a point where I was like, what in the world, because of what I was watching. Can you take me through about the story of Joe Evanish pitching that game?
1: So before we get to that game specifically, I I don't know if everybody knows this, but like Ryan and Scott – our best friends joe ryan and scott are really really close they went to high school together they played high school baseball together they played little league together before then they've been lifelong friends i've obviously known ryan and scott and then you know joe not long after for the good part of 20 years now so the 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 four of us but again the three of them are just really tight um like we'll be we'll all be at scott's wedding in you know a couple months ryan wood if you i have a problem my mom's house with you know, pest or something like drives from Long Island in the middle of the night to take care of it. Like we're, we're a really tight guy, bunch of guys, and he's an hour and a half from me. He's not like Long Island, Staten Island's downtown's not that close where he lives. We're really tight. Um, I am not as close with Joe. I don't know him as well. Driving home, I kind of understood him. We drove home together. I drove him to Newark Airport after the tournament. I got to understand him a little more. He, he didn't have the most Pollyanna life, and I'm not going to, you know, share details. And, uh, you know, but he just told me some things that he, some challenges in his life that he's had to deal with. And how that when he's pitching and he's feeling the pain and he's going through that, uh, you know, those challenges, he just thinks about what he's been through in his real life. And he's like, this pain is nothing for what I'm trying to accomplish, what I'm trying to do. And that's how he gets through it. But you're right. It was. I mean my brother who, who everybody knows played like you know minor league baseball and he's he's been through it all and like he call, he called me afterward he's like that guy looked like he was in, in agony like he looked like he was really lobbying he's like I just kept waiting for you guys to take him out I'm like well yeah. we weren't going to because he wasn't going to let us you know in the later stages of his career he's really become just this absolute you know lunatic he's a bull on the mound we we saw it um, three years ago against um, Black Dog in the championship when, you know, for certain reasons, Ryan wasn't able to be the one to get us through it. Um, but Joe, I mean, last year before the tournament, Joe tore both of his hamstrings, which I I don't know how you do it, but he did and he had the bruises to show it. And there he was against the Whippets the night before, um, pitching us into Sunday. There he was when Ryan got hit up a little bit against the jugs in the semifinals there to keep us in the game and put zeros up um so his toughness and his will we were you know completely um aware of and confident in um but again it's not just about that it's being able to be the most winning team in the last 5 years of ball on the, on the biggest stage in the stage in which they thrived the last 2 years and they they don't just thrive they had the propensity to win and win dramatically and win late so yeah there was some suspense watching the game, not just because of seeing him um, lobby, but also it's almost like, you know, when are the jugs going to strike?
0: Yeah. when is it, Who
1: is it going to be on their team? And it wasn't until Scott Alford hit that home run where we were really able to, I wouldn't say excel, but we were able to see the light of the tunnel and and be really confident that, at that point nobody was stopping joe from getting us to the finish line you
0: you know i don't know if he lost velocity during that game it seemed to me that he did right and and maybe he did but he was he was surely a a smart pitcher in those last few innings really thinking about the pitches that he was throwing um like some kind of crazy mad scientist danny of of getting up there and mixing up his pitches uh, according to the count according to who he was who he was facing uh i i thought it looked for masterful is the best way i could put it but um can you elaborate any on his approach
1: right um yeah, it, it's easy to just say he's a lefty who throws really hard, who has great movement, and and he's got balls the size of pick the the, the large size. But like, um, he's very cerebral as well as a pitcher. He was a Division One pitcher, um, and when you pitch at a high level like that, you, you do have to have a certain level of intellect to be successful, or even just to get to that stage. Yeah. Um, so he is. Brilliant, um, in more ways than one on the mound. Um, he reads swings better than, and I'm not saying that I'm like the standard, but I just learned from him and speaking to him about how he's attacked certain guys, and I'll be like, Yo, I really thought you were gonna, you know, throw him the screwball there, and I thought you would have been successful, and I was kind of hoping you would. And he's like, No, no, if I threw the screwball there, it wouldn't have went well. He's like, I knew the pitch I had to throw to get him out, um. And you have to have – to beat those guys, you can't just have one thing. You can't just yeah. be throwing the ball really hard. You have to have everything, you know, velocity, movement, mm-hmm. control, and, you know, between the ears to be successful against them. And he has all those things, and that's why, um, you know, one thing that we haven't spoken about is, you know, I, I – Ryan Wood, I, I praised him earlier. I. Mm-hmm. Don't know what his numbers were, and that's my fault as a captain to not be able to promote, you know, his stat line because I know other people have done it in the past, and and it's great. Like, other people have had phenomenal tournaments in the past. We can go back to the the stoop days at Fast Plastic in Texas when he was the MVP of the tournament because of his uh, offensive performance. I I could just say this. I have never seen somebody do what he did offensively um, over the course of two days against top – every game, top, top pitching. Um mm-hmm. he didn't miss, but but he um he got the yips. He couldn't reach the backstop and he made three errors Ooh, yeah. in that game on low ground balls. So we're giving the the again the most successful team in the last five years of wiffle ball multiple opportunities, multiple innings. We gave him four outs, yeah. and which again just just testament to Joe that he just weathered the storm and it was just another challenge for him that that he was able to overcome
0: I I had until you mentioned it I had forgot about the yips that he had and um I, the frustration that he had uh you know I I want to give kudos to you know really a player you haven't really mentioned a lot of is Scotty and the reason being is that you know he didn't from what i saw and heard he didn't have his best hitting tournament and that that he's used to but in that championship game to get that massive uh hit that he got uh, really was a difference maker in in y'all winning the championship
1: absolutely um and you're right it wasn't his best performance um but he got it done when it mattered. Yeah. Um, he got it done against the Phenoms, and you know, in I game, I came one nothing. It was it one nothing? Was Ryan's home run a solo or a two run shot? I think it was a two run shot, mm-hmm. but or it was a solo and then Scott's is a two run. Sorry, I, again, I'm
0: yeah,
1: basketball and everything else. I'm just um, and I wanted to take some notes today at work, and it just didn't allow me the day didn't allow me to do so. Um, but that that home run was huge, um, because again, it just puts any um doubt that you may have away and it it stops the ability of the jugs to just get a bloop in the blast that could tie the game potentially um that was enormous just like 2020 it, it was the same recipe right scott and ryan big home runs joe getting it done on the mound and that's a pretty nice uh, recipe for success for us
0: it was a great tournament for you guys uh an awesome championship and and I, there is a story that I, I think I told you that you weren't a re- really aware of at the time that uh, you were gone to the wedding and um, Ron Wood is up in the concourse and him and I are talking, um, you know, we're talking, you know, old times. And, you know, he's been around a while and stuff. And he, you know, he said, you know, I, if if he really was convinced that if, once he is can't compete at that highest level that he's done once he uh, I'm never playing again, you know, type of mentality. And, you know, here we are, this was before your playoff game, obviously uh, that he had. And, you know, cause he, he really was at the mindset that if I can't, if I can't go out there and do my best, if we can't go out there and, and, and get this done um, I may hang it up and, you know, and, for the rest of the tournament for him to continue to do what he did at the level that he did, you know, with some of the, um, best hitting performances in a national tournament. I mean, you and I can rattle off, uh, easily like two or three, uh, massive hitting tournaments that different people have, have had over, you know, in a, in a national tournament that sticks out, Um, you know, pitching is easy to do, but it's harder to remember humongous hitting performances, but his ranks right up there. Right. And um, uh, you know, he, he, he really was a warrior and, 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 and played fantastic. So um, one thing that I was curious of Danny, I know there's no stats on any of this stuff and this is a stats is not kept anyway. I am going to go out on a limb. And say that your the usual suspects this year was the highest average of age of any team in the tournament. The only one, maybe the dumps. You know the guys on some of the guys on the dumps. And but uh they also had some young guys on their team. But for you guys to win. And again, I'm not going to call old guys, right? But because we sit here and call, you know, Justin Verlander throwing at 40 years old, you know, like that's, that's crazy. And um, it, you, we are seeing a lot of young talent coming in the league. And especially now that we're seeing the MLW tournament playing right side by side, and those guys are going to be feeding you with in every year to come. Does that give you a little bit more gratification that you, you did it as a, a a big veteran team that you were and and knowing that you probably are the highest average age of any team in the tournament?
1: It does. Um, and I, I know Ryan's mentality. It doesn't surprise me at all. You'll probably have to drag me off the field um, physically, you know. <laughs> I, I just don't have that same mentality. I'd love to just continue to play it, um, but obviously I'm not at the same level as him. But but it is gratifying, and it, it, it I mentioned earlier we don't play as much as we used to. Um, and I mentioned as if, as physically um, we not do it. it doesn't mean that we just show up and play. Um, I, I don't know if there's anybody that prepares more than Ryan does for this tournament. He'll be he he rented out like a week before the tournament. I we just get videos in the group text of where in the world is Ryan with Ryan Wood pitching, uh, practicing wiffle ball. I mean, a couple years ago, he had his pregnant wife throwing him, you know, soft toss in his yard and getting videos of it a week before the tournament this year, he rented out his daughter had a, a party at a gymnastics, um, you know, gym with a whole bunch of stuff an, an indoor place. And he's like, can I rent this out? I'm like, yeah, sure. So there he is with his dad and, and Scott and his brother, and they rented it out to practice, you know, and with his schedule, work-wise and with his children um he just has to find the the pockets to practice but he does he'll Mm -hmm. be in a church parking lot at three o'clock in the morning throwing the ball against the wall um running wind sprints and you know it's motivating when you get these messages from him because it's like damn what is what am i doing to um and we all have our secrets but um he works really, really hard, uh, batting cages, et cetera. Joe works really – we all work really hard. And it's it's not by playing in, in 12 tournaments like we used to. Mm-hmm. It's other ways to physically make sure that we're able to do what we need to do to, to give ourselves a chance to uh, to win. So it is it is really gratifying. It's also gratifying that you've had this passion and this, this love for a, a game and the camaraderie and the community of it. To be able to be a part of it now, like I mentioned Trenton earlier, like I grew up looking up to those guys. I got to a point where I was playing alongside of them and against them for a very brief moment. Um, And if you think about all the guys along the way, and now I look over my shoulder and I see 13 year olds coming for us in the youth tournament. It's just great to be a part of so many different generations and be able to compete against those guys from different generations. You know, so many guys came and started in the middle of our, you know, uh, careers is a cheesy word to use, but, you know, in the middle of our run and they've, they're not playing anymore. And, you know, we're continuing and we're, we're waiting for the new guys to come. We're excited that there's more. and We hope to continue to um, compete at this level for as long as possible, because it it is the greatest uh, sports experience of our lives
0: well i enjoyed watching uh your championship game uh you know it was it was a a sight to behold watching joe and you know i've known i've known you a long time and i was telling my wife today i said i think i've known him since he was a teenager or you know (laughs) pretty much when i maybe i first met you so um so, so you and I have known each other a long time and, and, you know, Ryan Wood and, and Scott, Scotty has been part of the national tournament for, for a long, long time as well. Um, I, I really always enjoy this tournament seeing, um, seeing friends and seeing, in, in uh, you know, that I haven't seen in a long time and getting caught up and I didn't get to be there on Friday night fan fest, but uh, this next time I'm, I'm not going to miss that. So I want to thank you for coming on. Is there anything that you'd like to wrap up in a bow about your tournament experience before we sign off?
1: Yeah, I mean the, the last time we won in twenty twenty, I held a podcast. Just saying thank you um, to everyone involved in the game. And I didn't do that this time. I didn't want to be redundant and and have the same thought. But um, that that is the message, right? Um, I'm thankful. For, for so much of this, for the ability to compete still for the people that are there to compete against uh, mostly for my teammates to allow me to compete with them still. Um, for those that put the work in like yourself, Tim, for being there. Um, and we all do it for one reason, because we love it. And uh, you know, I can't wait to do it again next year.
0: Well, it's, it's going to be another fun ride and I'm excited for it already. Um, I'm already looking into when I'm going to come up there and, and uh, you know, this is going to be a fun time. Danny, thank you, my friend, uh, for, for joining me. We went a little long winded talking about it, but I think it was important to talk about some of the, uh, the games and the situations and the people that are involved on your team, the usual suspects um, and the great journey that you guys had during, during that tournament. So uh, I really, really want to thank you. So, uh, this is Texas Tim for Holy Commutes on Tuesday, January 9th. And I will be back next week with another wiffleball story to tell. And until then, we will see you.